I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with the deets on Fox Settlement with Dominion, move on to a murder plot accidentally caught on tape, as well as the villain origin story of Governor Christy Noem, and follow all of that up with Florida being racist again. Let's begin, shall we? As I am sure you're already aware, Dominion Voting Systems was suing Fox, the alleged news channel, for a shit ton of money for lying about their company during the 2020 election. I personally was looking forward to the trial phase of this lawsuit. After all, there were those juicy texts that came out during Discovery. But we didn't get to see everything. Apparently, Fox's lawyers had submitted four clips of the Simpsons cartoon into evidence as proof that their client certainly didn't lie about Dominion in 2020. (laughs) Seriously, folks, Fox thought that they could prove that elections are rigged because in 2008, on the Simpsons episode entitled Treehouse of Horror 19, Homer voted for Obama, and it happened to be the very same year that Obama was running for president. Hmm. Then there's the Homer Votes 2016 short, where Homer votes for Mitt Romney, and you guessed it, who is also running for president in 2016. Oh, and in the same episode, Putin tries to convince Homer to vote for his puppet. <laughs> And lastly, there's the Treehouse of Horror 31 episode that aired in 2018, where Homer can't decide between voting for Biden and Old Yellow for president. Now, personally, I don't have any idea what those episodes might have proved, other than Fox is run by a bunch of idiots who think that the Simpsons can predict the future, but... Between you and me, this settlement shit sucks. I feel cheated now that Fox decided to take the coward's way out and settle $1.6 billion in a lawsuit with Dominion out of court. And I'm sure that they are just trying to avoid public humiliation by playing Simpsons clips to prove a point. But either way, folks, it's over. Fox will be paying Dominion $787 million while avoiding having to have their hosts admit to the public and their viewers that they were the ones who were lying to their audience while in private text messages calling the stolen election theory a ludicrous lie that they would never, ever have endorsed on national television unless they had something to gain from it. As part of the settlement, Fox did issue a statement, but not an apology. And no one, I mean no one, had a harder time not breaking out into hysterical laughter while reading this statement out loud more than CNN's Jake Tapper. Roll tape. Fox trying to put a positive face on what can only be interpreted as one of the ugliest and most embarrassing moments in the history of journalism. Fox issued a statement saying, quote, we are pleased to have reached a settlement of our dispute, dispute, with Dominion voting systems. We acknowledge the court's rulings, finding certain claims about Dominion to be false. The settlement reflects 
I'm sorry, this is going to be difficult to say with a straight face. This settlement reflects Fox's continued commitment to the highest journalistic standards. We are hopeful that our de- sorry. We are hopeful that our decision to resolve the dispute with Dominion amicably instead of the acrimony of a divisive trial allows the country to move forward from these issues. <laughs> the idea that Fox has journalistic standards. <laughs> So riddle me this then, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, Maria Bartiromo, the former bowtie enthusiast, Pucker Anelson, and almost everyone else at that alleged news channel knew what they were saying on air to their audiences every night were lies. So where are the standards? (laughs) Now we knew this because a court ruled back in 2020 that not only was anybody in their right mind not to take Schmucker Lyerson what he says for a fact, uh, but now it's just going to remain a well-kept secret that this trust fund delinquent and all of the other hosts on Fox are card-carrying members of the Legion of Lies. However, there is a silver lining, at least for Fox, And that is they are on the hook for nearly a billion dollars for their lies to Dominion. And some of that cheese, unfortunately, is going to be covered by their liability insurance. Of course it will. (laughs) You didn't think the billionaires were going to actually pay for the problems that they caused, right? Now, I don't know for a fact that Fox had liability insurance because they can't control whatever box wine laden impotent rage screams out of Janine Pirro's mouth or what eardrum exploding decibel level she's speaking into a microphone at any given time. I just know that it's true. And while we're on the subject of suspicions coming true, Bruce Willingham, a journalist, for the McCurtain Gazette, located where the wind comes sweeping down the plains in Oklahoma, thought that the leaders of his town, including the local sheriff, might be up to a little bit of no good and doing some unofficial county business after meetings where they would go over what uh, Bruce would consider a no-no in his podunk town. So Bruce went all Mission Impossible hid a recording device in their meeting room, just hoping to catch the local sheriff and others doing some illegal shit. (laughs) Oh, but what he caught on tape was so much worse. The recordings captured the group talking about hiring hitmen to kill the reporters and where the bodies could be hidden. I've known two or three hitmen, very quiet guys. Yeah. And would cut no person. Yeah. I know where two big deep holes are here in England. On that same audio recording, the people talking shared their dismay that lynching black people is no longer acceptable. supremacy infestation in McCurtain, starting with that sheriff and those county officials on that recording, sounds like they are not fit for the positions that they hold, at the very least. 
plotting to murder two journalists and complaining about how they just can't go around lynching people like the good old days. <laughs> Perhaps they mean back in 1921, their own personal history. I'm talking about Tulsa, Oklahoma, where white people got so upset about black Tulsans being prosperous, having money, buying things, owning businesses, that they burned that city to the ground killing an estimated 300 men, women, and children in just one day, but digging only 21 unmarked graves, which, by the way, are unmarked to this day. So is that what these Confederates were thinking when they were complaining about what they could do in the good old days and what they can't do now? There is some good news, folks. The FBI suddenly got curious about Sheriff Smokey Justice in Oklahoma over there and his other Klan members who happened to be on the recording. So hopefully something will get done. And speaking of people who should not be allowed to own a gun, it seems like armed Americans today are afraid of just about everyone because they're literally shooting first. And that's it. They're just shooting first. 85-year-old white man has just been charged in the shooting of a black teenager who rang his doorbell by mistake. Dr. Faith Spoonmore says her nephew was trying to pick up his younger twin brothers from a friend's house Thursday night when he mistakenly went to the wrong home. Ralph rang the doorbell and waited. And he was confronted by a man who told him, don't come back around here. And then he immediately fired his weapon, uh, striking uh, Mr. Girl in the, in the head. He went to the ground and then he was shot a second time. Merritt adding Ralph was able to run for help after being shot and says Ralph knocked on multiple doors before a neighbor answered and ordered the boy to lie on the ground and put his hands up. Ralph decided to comply and essentially lose consciousness after that, uh, which is what allowed him to get medical treatment. Do you not have any empathy for a child who is knocking on your door asking for help, obviously bleeding from a place that they shouldn't be, not that you should bleed from anywhere, but it's obvious they were shot. But, you know, old white guy and wrongly assumed responsible gun owner Andrew Lester knew just one thing about 16-year-old Ralph Yarl before he shot him twice, and it wasn't the child's name. See, when Cowboy Andy answered his door holding his gun, he knew that he was opening the door and a black boy was standing on the other side. That's all he knew. And the fact that Ralph had to knock on three neighbors' doors and pass out on the ground with his hands up, bleeding out into the grass in order to get medical attention... Folks, this is one of the most disgusting things that I've heard all week, but probably in my entire 46 years. But the shootings this week, now nah, they didn't stop with a 16-year-old boy. A 20-year-old woman was fatally shot after turning up the wrong driveway in upstate New York. Kevin Monahan came out of the house and fired two shots. One of the shots struck Gillis. A man shot two teenage girls who were coming home from cheerleading practice and accidentally got in the wrong car. Heather Roth opened the door to the wrong car thinking it was hers. 
She tried to apologize to the man sitting in the passenger seat when he got out and started shooting. Authorities say 24-year-old Robert Lewis Singletary grabbed a gun and approached a group of children after the basketball from their street game rolled into his driveway. According to police, William White, the father of six-year-old Kingsley, noticed Singletary and tried to draw gunfire toward himself to protect the children before being shot in the back. What the actual fuck, gun owners? Seriously, this is on you. You're afraid of kids knocking on your doors. You're afraid of cheerleaders getting in your cars accidentally. You're afraid of someone using your driveway to turn around. And God forbid a child should kick a ball into your yard. And for all of you NRA members in the back, this is what I mean when I say there are no responsible gun owners, just gun owners. Oh, and if we're going to talk about mental health, could we please acknowledge just for a moment that we might need to broaden our definition of mental health issues to include white paranoia? Because these Mr. Wilsons <laughs> aren't just yelling, get off my lawn. They're shooting at whatever is on their lawn, no matter how old or how non-threatening. So while gun owners across the country are taking a moment to shoot everyone around them, the NRA thought this might be the perfect opportunity to have another one of their annual get-togethers where lifelong failures at life become camo-wearing, cosplaying gunslingers in cargo pants that they got from Walmart, the Kid Rock collection, of course. South Dakota governor and grandmother, who should definitely be investigated by CPS, Governor Christy Noem was invited to speak at this NRA shoot and greet where she shared this terrifying insight into her family. I've got three kids, two son-in-laws, and did you know that I'm also a grandmother? Not just once, but twice. Have two beautiful grandchildren. Little Miss Addie, who is almost two, and Branch, who's just a few months old. Now Addie, who you know, soon will need them. I want to reassure you, she already has a shotgun and she already has a rifle. Winner of the 2023 Razzie Award for the most cringy grandma and Second Amendment Barbie from South Dakota is apparently proud to reveal that her two-year-old granddaughter, who can't wipe her own ass and certainly can't keep her own fingers out of an electrical socket, is going to be the white pride owner of a rifle and a shotgun before she can speak. Because at Christy Gnome's house, those weebles don't just wibble and wobble. They fall down because they've been shot, probably by the two-year-old. Oh, and just for shits and giggles, let's go all the way back to the long-ago time of 2015, when a nine-year-old, albeit a little bit older than a two-year-old girl in Arizona, was shooting her gun at a gun range with her instructor right beside her, when the most obvious thing that you would think would happen actually happened. Roll tape. A nine-year-old girl learning how to shoot an automatic Uzi by an instructor. The sheriff's department says the recoil from the powerful weapon sends the gun out of her control over her head. 39-year-old instructor Charles Vaca, a member of California's National Guard, died later at the hospital. All right, now I know you're probably saying, but he gave the nine-year-old an Uzi. And to that, I would like to remind you that... This gentleman we're talking about, 
the instructor was a member of the National Guard of California, the same National Guard that demands every member obtain a permit to carry a gun and re-up that permit every 60 days. So I said all of that to say this. The instructor knew better than to allow a nine-year-old child to operate an automatic weapon, but he did it anyway. This story ends with a man who knew better losing his life because at the end of the day, you cannot be trained out of yourself. You can be shown and trained for years, decades, most of your life on how to operate firearms. You can be trained by the U.S. military on how to do that. But no one, not even the U.S. military, can train you out of yourself. Which brings me back to Governor Bad Grandma from South Dakota, who is arming her granddaughter instead of buying teething rings and cabinet door locks to prevent the baby from choking. Because, hey, she can always try and shoot her way out of asphyxiation, right? You know, it makes me wonder how this cringy basic bitch could ever become the inspiration for that new Netflix comedy called The Mother, ironically starring Jennifer Lopez as a trained assassin. What? Oh, wait a minute. I don't think that movie is um, actually supposed to be a comedy. (laughs) Maybe it's just unintentional. To be honest, I think that Netflix is stretching it thinking that their viewers are going to believe that Jenny from the Block is a well-trained Black Widow knockoff, when we all know the most unexpected badass female assassin in cinematic history happens to be Charlie from The Long Kiss Goodnight, starring the most terrifying and surprisingly good with a gun, Gina Davis. But I digress. Back to Yosemite Christie Noam and her supervillain backstory, told to the NRA audience as only an adult with unresolved childhood trauma and daddy issues can do. Roll tape. My dad taught us life lessons. He taught us common sense, and often those were taught during our hunting trips. For instance, I remember being only about nine or 10 years old, and we had hunted all day miles and miles from camp in the high country in the Bighorn Mountains. When my dad turned to me and he said, Christy, hunt your way back to camp. I'm gonna go around this ridge and I'll meet you there at dark. And he disappeared over the ridge. Now, to a 10-year-old girl, This was terrifying. And as strange noises came and darkness fell, I had to rely on my instincts and my horse to find my way back to our tent. Now, years later, mom shared with me that my dad had followed me at a safe distance all the way back to camp to make sure that I got there safe. Now, before you get all warm and fuzzy on him, I also want to tell you that he made bear noises the whole time he was following. (laughs) Scratching trees and growling at me. (laughs) holy fuck i really had absolutely no idea that growing up with gun enthusiasts people who have delusions of being the good guy with a gun meant that you just grew up with pieces of shit for parents although it does make sense when you consider the insecure paranoid house goblins in the news this just week who are the nra's prime demographic White old people who are pissed off that the rest of the world didn't like their 1950s supremacist dream that they call childhood and has moved on to more inclusive pastures. But hey, if a typical Saturday afternoon at an NRA member's home consists of cosplaying Patriot Games instead of Super Mario Bros., then 
maybe it's no wonder that Christy already has her granddaughter armed to her baby teeth. Obviously, she's waiting until that girl is nine so she can abandon her in the woods and then secretly follow her back to camp while making bear noises to freak her out because we all know terrorizing a heavily armed child builds great character, doesn't it? You know, just ask that National Guardsman from California how that scenario all played out. Well, you can't, but you know what I mean. And now for something completely different. Oh, Florida. It isn't just the most flaccid state in our union. It's also one of seven states that spends April celebrating their seven-year participation in the most treasonous event in our nation's history. And no, I'm not talking about January 6th, although I could see how you would make that equation. I'm talking about the Civil War circa 1861. Those four years when 11 states, including Florida, decided white plantation owners bought black people from human traffickers to work for their fields. So obviously those aren't real people. Those are property. And the government, (laughs) well, they can't take away someone's property now, can they? Not to mention those same white folks got very upset about having to pay taxes for labor when they considered their slaves to be no different than a horse or a cow. And who in their right mind pays taxes for a horse pulling a plow, right? Unbelievable that even back then these rich white folks were just looking for ways to get out of paying their fair share of taxes. Am I right? Even to the extent of setting up their own country where they could have as many slaves as they wanted. But (laughs) I may be going on a tangent. Since April in Florida means celebrating the Confederacy, one middle school teacher thought the morning announcements would be the perfect time to give the entire student body a lesson in alternative history. Would you like a lesson? (laughs) Roll tape. Some parents are calling this video Confederacy propaganda, and it was played in front of an entire school. Collier County Public Schools say a teacher at Manatee Middle School put the video together to celebrate Confederate History Month, but they did so without permission. Airing it during the morning announcements on Tuesday, the teacher bills the video as a look into the state's recognition of Confederate History Month. Parents say it's pro-Confederate propaganda. Now, the district wouldn't say who this teacher is. However, a spokesperson did tell me that they still have a job while the school investigates. Of course they do, because it's Florida. Remember, one of the states that seceded? So behind closed doors, they probably don't have a problem with what happened. But because parents are complaining and the news is snooping... (laughs) I have the audio from the video they mentioned, and it is everything that you are terrified that it would be. It sounds exactly like a plotline straight out of Confederate fan fiction. Take a listen. If you didn't know, April is an official celebrated month here in the state of Florida named Confederate History Month. Every year, our state celebrates and memorializes that valiant, brave fight and the countless sacrifices made by our men and women during what is known as the Civil War, but 
Meg, the more correctly titled the war to prevent Southern independence. In the year 1861, the state of Florida broke political ties with the Union. The reasons laid out and described in our Declaration of Secession was slaves and property rights, overtaxation, and a variety of violations of states' rights and sovereignty due to Abraham Lincoln's administrative actions. Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas, Virginia, Arkansas, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Together, all 11 states formed what was called the Confederate States of America. From there on, America was two countries. The USA was in the north, and the CSA was in the south, with two separate citizenry and two presidents. The Union, which had Abraham Lincoln as president, and the Confederacy in the South, which had President Jefferson Davis. Stay tuned to next week for more interesting Florida history. Seriously, um, that person is still employed teaching 10 to 13-year-old students all sorts of hysterical, what the nopes? And I don't personally understand, but I guess it's Florida and some white people aren't going to concede to the fact that black people are an entire 100% of a person and not three-fifths of one. But this teacher is intentionally misleading children with his own personal alternative facts, and that's got to be some kind of ethics violation or something. And I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but Florida, why can't you be more like Germany? You know, they teach their children that their heritage, their, their country's heritage as the world's first Nazi superpower is not a good thing and not something to be revered in any way. They talk about the absolute horrible truth, the mindset that every generation needs to understand that Nazi Germany can never be replicated. And they send their students to concentration camps, visiting Holocaust museums, and listening to lectures from the few Jewish survivors that are left. This country does not revere this part of their history as sacred heritage the way that Southern white Americans do. That's because Germans know that what they did was wrong. And there's no way to spin it. Their country owes to their own citizens that they murdered, Jews that they murdered, and people all around the world to say forever and ever that what they did was wrong. They are ashamed of it, and it's not okay. But over here in America, we have people like this middle school teacher from Florida who inherently does not see a problem with dehumanizing black people so that they could be bought and sold just like another piece of property, like your couch, your car, your house. And that, that, my folks, that right there is the problem for so many obvious reasons. Mostly it hinders our country's progress to become an inclusive nation, not just in philosophy, but actuality, the melting pot that we inherently are, whether white people like it or not. Children who grow up without being taught empathy, learning how to live with other people and the struggles that they have to go through simply because of the differences that they face, things that they cannot control but make them different in society's eyes, kids who do not grow up around that become 
apathetic and contemptuous toward equal rights. And in a country of people who are taught that empathy and seeing no problem with the villainization, marginalization, and even enslavement of a group of people just because they're different is the problem. Because when people believe that, that's how Hitler was able to do what he did. That's how the Civil War, the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis was able to do what they did in the 1860s. And now this is rearing its ugly head through the mouthpiece of a middle school teacher in Florida who would rather have their children, their students, learn alternative facts about the Confederacy just so they don't feel bad about their great, 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 however great ancestors who did horrible things, who they now would be canceled for at the very least. And it doesn't make grandma and grandpa feel bad about what they did in the 60s to fight against segregation and the rights of people made into federal law in 64 and 65. That's what we're really talking about here. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every single Sunday, and you can follow us wherever you can find us on social media. We post there. And uh, This Week Again can be heard on all of the Audibles and the Heart Radios and the Spotify's and the Amazon Music and Google. And just look us up or don't. Ask somebody. They probably listen to us already. And thank you so much for listening to us today. To do for now.